I know I've spoken about Samson before, but for some reason, Samson's one of those characters in the Bible I keep coming back to time and again. I think it's because I've struggled to understand why God still used him, considering the way he behaved. Because, to put it bluntly, he was horrible. And yet, even though he was immoral and selfish, at the same time, God had given him the most amazing gifts and promises, even to the point of promising Israel that he would be a saviour to start to set the people free from the power of their enemy, the Philistines. So when I looked at his life, and especially at some of the incredible miracles that God did through him, I struggled for a long time to understand what I was reading and how and if it relates to us today. At first, when I read of Samson's incredible God-given strength, to my shame, my thoughts focused straight back on myself, and I found myself asking if maybe this was God showing me that there were some powerful spiritual gifts available to us if we asked, and maybe even a New Testament version of Samson's amazing strength. And while I know that the Lord does give wonderful and powerful gifts to his children, my mind tried to see how these gifts of strength given to Samson in the Old Testament could equate to the gifts he's given to us today. In other words, I put myself as the focus of my question. But going down that route of making myself the focus of trying to understand God's gift to Samson wasn't very helpful, and I found myself frustrated with what I was reading as my thoughts only took me to dead ends. So, for a while I gave up trying to understand Samson, and for that matter, quite a lot of the miracles and power I saw at work as I read the Old Testament. I needed God to help me see why I couldn't understand. And then, one day, I heard a very helpful talk, in which the speaker said something along the lines of, When we read something in the Old Testament, we nearly always think it's telling us about ourselves, while, in reality... Much of the time, it's written so that we can know about Jesus. And when I heard that, slowly but surely, my focus shifted from me to Jesus, and mercifully, the Lord helped me to start to understand. Of course, the stories of sin and failure and weakness and all the ugly stuff in the Old Testament do tell us a great deal about ourselves, that we're weaker than we'd like to admit, that without God's help to get ourselves sorted out, we'd be completely helpless and lost, but even that tells us about Jesus and about the love of God, that he still loves us and wants to have a relationship with us when we're so completely corrupted by sin. But what about Samson and the miracles God did through him? What could I learn about Jesus from this contradiction of a person, so powerful and strong with God's gifts of strength, and yet so weak with miserable human faults and failure? And when I started to ask what Samson's life could be telling me about Jesus, I began to see things that I'd never seen before. For example, why announce Samson's miraculous birth unless the Lord wanted us to see that in some way he was to be a prototype or foreshadowing of Jesus, who would also have a miraculous birth announced by angels? Okay, that kind of made sense, but at the same time I also felt uneasy saying Samson was a prototype of Jesus when you add in his bucket loads of moral failure. So perhaps it would be wiser to say that at the points where God moved powerfully and obviously in Samson's life, in other words, in things that Samson couldn't have done on his own without God's gifting, that at these places the Lord is telling us something important about the coming Messiah Jesus and what he would do. So I began to ask how Samson, at those points in his life, 
was a shadow of the Messiah to come, while at the same time reserving judgment on the other, less noble parts of Samson's life, seeing that probably they tell us very little about Jesus and rather more about ourselves and how weak we are, in spite of how strong we pretend to be. If there's one thing you can say about the Bible, it's that it doesn't pull its punches when it comes to showing us how real the people in its pages are. Real, weak human beings, just like us. And so I started examining Samson's life again, looking out for any pointers to Jesus. But then I came across one little passage which, quite frankly, threw me. If you want to find it yourself, it's in Judges chapter 16 verses 1 to 3, and it starts with Samson doing what he so often did, and acting in a wicked way by going to a place he had no right to be, and doing something he shouldn't have done. In short, Samson had gone into the capital city of the enemy of his people, Gaza, the first city of the Philistines, to visit a prostitute, a woman he shouldn't have been visiting at all, in any place. Why was this in the Bible? How could this story that started with such failure and compromise tell us anything about Jesus? Anyway, this crazy man Samson had walked right into the heart of enemy territory. This was the strongest and most concentrated centre of power for the whole Philistine nation, with troops stationed inside the city. It was a city built and fortified for war, designed to keep the people safe inside and the enemy held outside. In short, it was a place he should never have been anywhere near, let alone inside. And, incredible as it may seem, Samson wasn't in any rush to leave, even though he must have known that he was recognised as he entered the city. He was the Philistines' most wanted enemy. Everyone knew who he was and what he looked like, and yet he still went into Gaza, and even knowing the danger he was in, he stayed with the prostitute as night fell, and the giant, heavy, fortified city gates were closed and barred, so that Samson became locked inside the city, apparently trapped in a place he should never have been, with Philistine soldiers inside the city well aware of his presence, waiting to capture and kill him at the appropriate moment. What an idiot! As I read this, I thought, how can this possibly tell us anything about Jesus? Samson was acting like a fool, and Jesus never acted like a fool. Well, at this point, things started to get very strange as the story took a twist which, to be honest, you could never have seen coming. The army of Philistine soldiers inside the city decided that they'd wait until morning to arrest and kill Samson, probably to minimise the risks, and make sure they could identify him clearly and he didn't escape and hide in the dark streets. But Samson had other ideas, as, in the middle of the night, he got up and went to those locked and barred city gates, no doubt knocking senseless any Philistine soldiers who may have been on guard. And instead of simply opening the city gates, or battering them down and making good his escape, this man, who'd been given an incredible gift of strength from God, grabbed hold of the giant's and exceptionally heavy city gates, which were made in place and probably weighed several tons, and pulled them up out of the ground, gateposts, bars and all, lifted them onto his shoulders and carried them. Not half a metre, not ten metres or a hundred metres, but many kilometres, many miles, to the top of a hill that overlooked an important Israelite city called Hebron. This was something that no normal man could ever have done. And so, from what I'd learnt before, 
I asked myself what this could be telling us about the coming Saviour Jesus. But what on earth was it? What was this story teaching us about Jesus? And then, after some thought, study and prayer, I began to understand that this miracle that God had worked through Samson was showing us something incredible about how Jesus was going to defeat death. For sometimes we understand more about what Jesus did, as we read the Old Testament stories, in the light of what we know about him from the New Testament. Anyway, let me explain. Samson had gone into Gaza, which was an incredibly dangerous place for him to be, as it was the centre of power for the Philistines, the enemy of God's people, where he was likely to be killed. And so you could think of it as the city of death. And Jesus would also be going into a city of salts, the city of death, real death, a place no one had ever escaped from, and the centre of power for the enemy of all God's people. Samson had no place being in Gaza, and even if his reasons for being there were totally wrong, yet he still chose to go into that city. In the same way, Jesus would have no reason to go to the real city of death, because his life was sinless, and he didn't deserve to die, and yet he still chose to go into the real city of death. Not for his own sake like Samson did, but for ours. Then, when with the power of God at work in him in an amazing way, Samson pulled the city gates out of the ground, posts, bars and all, and carried them many miles away, Samson showed that Gaza couldn't hold him and was now indefensible. If an enemy had come along at that point, the city couldn't have been saved because the city wall was breached at the gates. In other words, the apparent power of the enemy of God's people, the mighty seat of the kings of the Philistines, their centre of power and rule, was indefensible and defeated. And so, as God raised Jesus from the real city of death, gloriously raising him to life, God showed that real death was defeated, its walls were breached and that a way was now open for us to escape. And that this way, the gate on the hill if you like, was Jesus. And when Samson pulled those gates from the city wall, carrying them on his shoulders and placed them on the hilltop opposite Hebron, a city of the people of God, he showed God's people that even though their enemy had seemed so powerful and unbeatable, when God moved, their enemy was powerless and defeated. That the enemy's power wasn't real, and that God could set his people free from their bondage. So, by looking at those gates, standing isolated and alone on the top of that hill, they knew for sure that God could save them and had the power to defeat any enemy they might face. And this is what Jesus was going to do to the real enemy of all mankind, death itself. Jesus would die on a cross under God's curse for the guilt of our sin, and in so doing would go into the real city of death on our behalf. And then, with incredible and mighty power from God himself, Jesus would burst out of that city of death by rising from the grave, showing himself alive to his disciples and followers, leaving his empty grave and so proving that death had no power over him and could not hold him or anyone who belonged to him. As those gates stood on that hill for all God's people to see, so Jesus presented himself alive to his disciples, proving that even death, the worst of all mankind's enemies, was defeated.
And that is still true today. Death cannot hold anyone who has faith in Christ Jesus, trusting that he has the power to save them. And it's why many Christians wear empty crosses, to remind themselves that, having died in our place, Jesus didn't stay in the city of death, but has risen from the dead, and so the cross is empty. And if you need more convincing that Jesus has been raised from the dead, remember the story of Stephen who, as recorded towards the end of Acts chapter 7, in his moment of peril, looked up to heaven and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father in heaven, living, reigning, welcoming and interceding for his people, proving what God had promised is true, that death cannot hold anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, that it has been totally defeated by our Saviour and our Champion, the risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if this peculiar little story in the life of Samson can tell us so much about Jesus, what more treasures do you think the Lord has for us in the Old Testament when we look to see Jesus there? <laughs>